Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Real people, real stories, real hope. My name, my name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And joining me as always, my co-host in life, my wife, her name is... Just Jen. And you're along with us as we keep this hope train and moving on down the tracks. Choo-choo! You know what I was just thinking? What? I love our intro music. Oh, do you? Yeah, like even after all of these episodes, both beginning and end, I still find myself <laughs> dancing, bopping around, my arms are moving, my body is shaking when that music comes on it, you and it gets, gets the me energy. in the mood. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it is cool, huh? Yeah. I was almost singing there. <laughs> I know. I was wondering where you were going with all that. I was like, mm, okay. <laughs> were you worried? Um, Not yet. I have a voice of an angel. <laughs> yes. Really? You agree with that? Only because we're on air. <laughs> <laughs> so when put on the spot, you're willing to lie for my benefit. Yes. That's why I'm your partner in crime. Yes. You committed a crime. You lied. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. You're going you're gonna to get taken away in handcuffs. What you worried about, what you were dreaming I about. I am the worst liar ever. Let's be honest. Yeah. I cannot lie. You're not very good at it. I'm too, like, I can't lie. <laughs> you you know what is funny? We were watching some show last night, and I think we were watching some show last night. Anyway, oh yeah, it was that uh, organization show. Oh yeah, the home edit. Yeah, the home edit, right? Mm-hmm. And one of them described themselves like we're we're just blunt. Yes, you're blunt. I'm very blunt. You say it like it is. I do say it how it is, but one of the reasons why I can't lie is because I can't. I don't remember when I did lie, <laughs> and so I'm just a horrible liar. When did, when did you come to all of this realization? Like how, how you know. When I was a teenager. And really? I, and I lied and I always got caught. <laughs> <laughs> so I just stopped. Now now I totally have a vision for why you say what you say to the kids. Like you tell them all the time, don't, don't lie to me. I will figure it out. I will find <laughs> out. It will come out. It always does. It's not a good, it's not a good thing to do. Yeah. So now I just don't because I just can't do it. I, you know what? The truth is better. Oh, yeah. The, the truth tr- will set you free. It shall it set you shall free. Set you speak free. truth. Now, yep. I've also heard this, you know, for our listeners' benefit, they don't know this about mm-hmm. you. You know, in, in private conversations, when we're at home, when mm-hmm. no one else is around, and or in cars, we know that you tell the truth because it's statistically proven, scientifically proven, that people that cuss <laughs> and use profanity yes, yes. are more truthful in their lives than those that do not. Yeah, because we say it how it is. And you, my dear lady, my wonderful wife, you have a mouth of a sailor. And there's nothing wrong with that. There isn't. No, Jesus still loves me. (laughs) He does. (laughs) That's one of my favorite shirts that you have. Mm -hmm. What what was it? I make, I, Jesus, I make cuss a little. I make cuss a little, but Jesus still loves me. Yeah, I'm a, yeah, does it say it like that? I think Something like that. Yeah, you get the point. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So yeah. No and, matter what you do, he still loves you. So now, how do you how do you feel? Because obviously, with two adult children, they've mm-hmm. kind of picked up on on how we talk. I feel like I can relate to them. And so you no, problem. it doesn't bother me at all. No, yeah. like I honestly don't see bad words as bad words. Like who who said they're bad words? Like. I think broccoli is a bad word. Don't say broccoli. Why is broccoli a bad word? Well, why is S-H-I-T a bad word? <laughs> why? 
I don't know. I don't like those rules. You know, if we're going to call a food a bad word, mm-hmm. let's call celery a bad word, not I, broccoli. I love celery. Why do you love celery? I love celery because it is a, an amazing boat for peanut butter and hummus, and it takes you forever to chew, so you literally probably like burn like a thousand calories eating one celery stick. Yeah, and you get all those strings in your teeth, which I hate. So, but I like I like how you an amazing boat. Yeah. For peanut butter and hummus. Yeah, you can put other things in it too. That that should be a tagline for <laughs> celery right now. An amazing boat for your peanut butter or hummus and other things. Right. Yes. What would the other things be? Other than peanut butter and hummus. What else um, would you put in? Cookie dough. Cookie dough and celery? <laughs> you just yes. pulled that out of your no. head. <laughs> Have you ever put cookie dough in celery? Uh, why not? Celery tastes like nothing. I think that celery would ruin cookie dough. No, no, no. It tastes like nothing. So, no, it tastes like stringy nothing. Well, that's fine. It tastes so like you dental floss, whatever. stringy nothing. You can put mustard. Ketchup, mustard? Mayonnaise. Oh, my gosh. Cheese whiz. Um, <gasps> Do you remember the spray cheese? You could put your spray cheese inside the boat of celery. Wow. I'm going to try that. Wow. Do they still make that? What? The cheese wizard stuff. Yeah, I'm sure they take, make the cheese wizard stuff. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Like, it, yeah, it's no, like I, a, I know what you're talking comes about. Comes out of a can. It's yeah, I feel really like if bad. Madden, our youngest, had some of it, he'd be walking around the house with it permanently tilted up into his mouth, like whipped cream. That boy likes cheese. Yeah, he likes cheesy snacks. Everything, he, anything that's got cheese on it, he likes. I like cheese. No. You don't like cheese? No, not really. I love nachos with lots of cheese. Oh. Do you know that big old like gallon thing of nacho cheese they sell at Costco? Yeah. I remember being a kid and we would get that and I would just eat that. Just cheese out of the can. And it's like a gallon. I know. Knowing I, what I know about Ryan, I'm mortified hearing that. Like I I could never. I would I just would I would love never to I could do never. It this weekend. I'm just not that big of a cheese fan. I'm an really. all food fan. Yeah, I know. Except I know for weird things like snails. <laughs> I don't eat snails. And escargot. No, oh, no, wait, no weird things. <laughs> so Jen, Jen and I each have a no weird thing. Okay. She don't eat weird things. Snails, Mm-mm. slimy stuff, etc. Oysters. And I don't fold weird things. Yeah. Oh my gosh. When we do laundry, like she's got these tops and they got straps. I I, I just tell her, listen. The, exercise bra tops. I, and I just tell her, I don't fold weird stuff. And you know what the funny thing about that is? What? Is you think you are not doing something right. I literally don't fold them either. I throw them in a drawer. So n- nobody folds those things. I made you a deal saying I would do the laundry as long as I didn't have to fold weird stuff. And now come to find out you don't even fold the weird stuff? No, nobody does. It goes <sighs> in a drawer. I feel like I've been hoodwinked. <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like I got the, the wool pulled over my eyes. You need to still continue doing laundry. What? If you want me to clean the dishes. I feel like the rules have changed now. I've got new information. No, you're doing laundry. Oh, now La- I'm not hope-filled. You love laundry. No. No, I don't. <laughs> no. Yes, right. you do. No, I don't. You wear way more clothes than I do. So you, no. you were always like, are you what doing do you laundry? Mean? Are- I wear more clothes than you. I think you wear like five shirts a day. What? How do you come up with this? Because you go down to ride on your Peloton. That's one shirt. Then you come back up and you changed because you're going to go run. And that's two shirts. And then you go back up and change because you're going to come and uh, do some weightlifting. That's another shirt. And then you have a shirt for the day. And then you have a shirt for the night. You do wear a lot of shirts. You're a man of a lot of shirts. You're telling too many secrets. Well, Let's get on to joke time. I wore the same shirt for a week. 
because I'm, I'm that's, the dude. <laughs> that's why you smell like liquid awesome. I love Otherwise known I as B.O. It. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't smell that bad. We, we've gotten way off the rails here. I, I don't wear deodorant. You you have a sometimes pungent smell. Okay, let's just keep going then. <laughs> oh, I love it. You ready for joke time? I'm ready for joke time. It's funny time. You tell something funny. You want to hear? Okay, are you ready? Because I've got a good funny. Okay. All right, here we go. Why did Humpty Dumpty have a great fall? Because he sat on the wall. No. That's not the right answer. Why? To make up for his miserable summer. You didn't even know the answer. No, I did. I just had to find it. Why did Humpty Dumpty have a great fall? To make up for his miserable summer. That's why he had a great fall. Okay. (laughs) I'll take your delayed laugh. You look lost. I am lost sometimes. I'm still trying to figure out if you were right about five shirts. Come on. I am so right. It's four. No. You say I to put on a shirt for running. I don't do that. I, I do the Peloton <laughs> and then I do my my weightlifting and then that's a shirt. And then I got my go to the podcast shirt and then I've got my go into the sauna shirt and then I've got my bedtime that's night shirt. That's five. Okay, you're right. See, I'm always right. I just Stop. wish you would just realize that. Stop. I don't like it when you say that. Don't ever question me again. All right. Okay, you ready? Yeah, go. Why did the donut decide to become a priest? Because he's holy. <laughs> I finally got one. I, I finally got one. You finally got one. I didn't see that. I just figured it out. See, isn't that feel so good? It came good to me you... like this. Maybe I'm getting your mind where I think of things 20 times faster than anybody else. Yes, finally. You're getting it, on my level. It feels like I have superpowers. Oh, my gosh. Now you know what I've been living with my whole life. Now superpowers. we're equal. Not yet. What? You, you're just learning superpowers. Oh. Yeah, you're not there yet. Oh. It's, it takes a while. Oh, no, I'm sad. <laughs> Keep trying. All right. Um, can I tell you about our interview? Yeah. I, we have an awesome interview. Okay. All right. So we've, we've got Jamie Lee coming mm-hmm. on the show. <gasps> Isn't she famous? Not that Jamie Lee. Oh. Well, mate, she could be famous too. This Jamie Lee could be famous, but it's not, you're, you're Jamie talking Lee about Curtis. Yes. This is Jamie Lee. Like her last name's Lee. Oh, my last name's Lee. Yet, not now. It used to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she um, she does incredible work uh-huh. with animals. Aww. Right? She she's she talks about healing. She talks about energy. She talks about Reiki. She talks about working exclusively with animals. She's got a great animal story. But, like, her origin story, mm-hmm. you talk about an origin story. Her origin story began in a really devastating accident a flood some almost 50 years ago oh no so she's going to tell us about that okay and then make the connection as to how that led into the work that she's doing now and i think it's going to be an incredible show i'm excited i'm excited too all right so let's do this since we're both excited Uh uh-huh let's call her let's do it let's get her on the line okay here we go you ready ring 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 (laughs) (laughs) all right i'm dialing her now okay all right, I've got Jamie Lee on the line. Jamie, welcome to Hope Radio Podcast. How are you today? Thank you. I am fabulous today, and I'm really happy to be here at Hope Radio Podcast. I think it's great. 
Well, thank you so much. We think it's great as well. We think it's awesome that you're along with us, and uh, we can't wait to jump into talking with you about your life, your life experiences, and uh, specifically animals and some of the work that you do. But for the benefit of our listeners, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, where do you live? Are you married? Tell us a little bit about your family and, and personal situation. Absolutely. So, of course, my name is Jamie Lee, and I live in Las Vegas, Nevada. I have been here approximately, I guess, about 16 years, and I kind of grew up moving, so this isn't home. My original home is from the Black Hills, but I call Las Vegas home now, and I share my house with two rescue pups, uh, two rescue parakeets, a desert tortoise, actually she lives out in the backyard, (laughs) And most recently, I have a foster kitty that's moved into my spare bedroom. So that's my family. I don't have any immediate family in the Las Vegas area at all, but my pets are my family. Well, I think that's and, awesome. And, uh, you, you know, for some people, like, we, we we don't have a lot of family ourselves. Sometimes family are the better version of family. You know, like the pets, like, the, you know, they, they are the best thing that you could hope for because, you know, that they're always there. They're always loving on you. They give you 100%. Yeah. And uh, there's no criticism or back talk, you know, <laughs> unless you got Absolutely. those and parakeets. No or <laughs> over going to Thanksgiving dinner. You don't have to worry about any of that. They don't care. They just want dinner. <laughs> yeah, no, no such thing as Uncle Joe getting drunk and, you know, make, making a, a, a fool of himself or any of that yeah. kind of stuff. Exactly. The kitties may get into a little catnip, but, you know. <laughs> Well, in uh, in our pre-show, you, you know, you shared with me a little bit about, you know, because we were talking about how you, you developed this heart or this love for animals that you have. And uh, you shared with me that, you know, in your early years, in your teenage years, something had happened to you that really kind of affected you in a significant way, it kind of changed your life at the, at the time. And it was a traumatic event. So why don't you uh, share with us a little bit more detail about what happened and so that we can, uh, you know, share that experience with you. And then we'll talk about how that's led you to the current path you're on. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. So I think most kids love animals and I was one of those. But there was an event that took that love for animals even deeper into my soul. And it was June 9th, 1972. And it was 15 days before my birthday. It was, I was going to be 13, a teenager. I was so excited. But it was also the night of one of the deadliest flash floods in U.S. history. The Rapid City flood occurred because a cloudburst high up in the Black Hills dropped 15 inches of rain in under an hour. That caused Rapid Creek to overflow. And what happened is a 50-foot wall of water roared down the canyon. It destroyed everything in its path. It took homes. It took people. It took out the city of Rapid City. Now, were you at the... wasn't much left. At the time, were you were you living close in proximity to this Rapid City Creek yeah. or Rapid City River or whatever it was? Yes, Rapid Creek was right behind our house, and we actually lived just outside of town at the mouth of two canyons where the water convened. Mm-hmm. 
We, we live in a similar area in, in California right now. Now we're up on a divide. So at our elevation, the, the actual river, there's two rivers that created the divide. Uh, so we live in Northern California in the Forest Hill area. And so these two rivers, the North Fork and the Middle Fork of the American River kind of cut their path. And then uh, we're, we're on that divide. So it's about 1,200 feet up. So it would have to be quite a bit of rain in order for us to be exposed that way. But, right. you know, when I hear 15 inches of rain in under an hour, I'm just wondering what that was like. Like, yeah. can you imagine what, no. Jen, like, like it just feels like you, you wouldn't even be able to see through the raindrops. Right. Like, you, you, there would I mean, be you no, know, you nothing. It was totally dark because it was nightfall. We, you know, it first started early evening. But by the time the water roared down the canyon, it was dark. The rain was just pouring. So I remember we were home. My sister, who was just graduating from high school, and she was only 17, she was on a girl's trip camping up at Lake Pactola, where the dam was. And it was her first, you know, solo camping trip, just a bunch of girls that went. So... I was home with my parents, and we had had high water before. So when we saw the the creek going up, you know, we still didn't know the danger involved. But so so we give thought, us well, you know, just just for a second, give us give us someone sort of an idea. I I got lost back on the uh, with your sister. Now was the lake that she was at was she above you or was she below you or was she out of the area? She was up in the Black Hills. Um, probably about 45 minutes out of town. She was above us. And Lake Pactola is the dam that holds all the water for Rapid City. Okay. All right. And then what time of night was all of this occurring at? Was it in the in the early morning? Was it late at night or was it dusk just as evening started to begin or what? It, we first saw the creek rising when it was about dusk. It was something like four or five in the afternoon. And, um, of course, then the clouds rolled in and it got dark quite quickly. And And so I remember standing on the sidewalk and it was pouring rain by now. And this was probably, oh, maybe six, seven o'clock at night. And my mother, this is kind of a funny thing because she worked nights at the hospital And so she had been sleeping and she woke up. We knew we probably should get out of the house because we thought maybe the water was going to rise up and make a mess in the house. That's all we really thought. The yard was going to get messy. Maybe some water come in the house. And so she was outside in her nightgown and her slippers (laughs) standing on the sidewalk. (laughs) And the pouring rain I had on. Uh, I was barefoot. I had jeans on and this old t-shirt that had holes in it. And as the rain poured down, we soon realized, you know, this isn't a typical uh, high water situation. Because you'd been through high water situations previously. Like you'd have those types of events where it made a mess in the yard or made a mess in the house or whatever. So how far? It wasn't anything, you know, that serious. How far away was the your actual home to the to the river or to the creek? So the creek, we were probably, I would say, about two hundred feet. Okay. So we were very close. And elevation uh, wise, how how far up 
from the creek were you? 10 feet, 30 feet? You know, like give us some. Uh, we were level to the oh, creek. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And the whole, there was a neighborhood by us the same way. So, we were very level to the creek. Um, and uh, so, that night, you know, they took me to the neighbors because they wanted to, my parents wanted to help other neighbors get their cars out and, you know, get things up because we're still thinking, well, you know, it's just going to be a big mess. No one had any idea what was about to unfold. And I can remember sitting at the neighbors. I had no idea where my parents were. By this time, the water, and this was probably around nine o'clock at night, was flowing down the canyon in front of my neighbor's house. So I could see the water. It wasn't 50 foot walls. That wasn't the one, but there was still this wall of water. And I watched my neighbor try to go across the road because he had a hotel over there with his dog. And the dog was a neighborhood dog that all the kids knew and he got swept away. And my neighbor fell down. So his son ran out there and pulled him out of the water because water is so powerful. It doesn't take much water to overpower you. And the rest of the night, everyone, I think, was in shock. So I remember sitting on the couch. Nobody was really talking. Everybody was kind of in their own little world. I was staring out the window, and it would be pitch dark, and then there would be lightning, and the sky would light up. and. I could tell, you know, everything was still there. Our house was there. And then one time it got dark and it lit up and the house was gone. Oh, wow. And oh it my sounded gosh. like, it sounded like there was um, a train coming at you. There was just this constant noise, this roar. And in between the roars, you could hear people screaming for help. And I remember feeling incredibly helpless in that moment because you could not reach them. You could hear them screaming for help, but you couldn't do a thing to help them. Now, where you were, when you were you watching all this unfold, how far away from your house were you? And were you at this point up on a hill? Were you higher? I mean, no. The- <laughs> it was so strange. So um, I was. They were up a little bit higher than our house, but they were level with the highway. So if you went down the highway, you would turn and go down a little bit of a slope to go to our house. Well, they were on the other side of the highway. So there was a canyon that came by their house, and then there was a canyon that came um, sideways to our house. So we were like at the mouth of two canyons. Mm-hmm. And in her their house, on the other side of the road, they had a hotel. That hotel was destroyed. The water was so strange how it worked that night. Their house, the water just came up into their driveway a little bit. It didn't even touch their home where I was. And yet, across the street where they had this little motel, it was totally destroyed. Just gone. And I, I can only just imagine. Gone. You know, I've heard stories of... Um, people talking about what it's like in a in a tornado situation or in a hurricane situation right. just the power of mother nature mm-hmm. to to have that much force that much yes. 
roar, you know? So did you, did you ever witness the quote unquote 50 foot wall of water? I never saw that. I heard it, but I never saw it. So by the time, I think by the time it got to where I was, it had taken enough homes with it. Um, and you know, the, the debris, the trees, the homes, um, they kind of slowed down that wall of water as far as how high it was, but it kept going. And it, there was another small lake in, in the city that had a little dam and it blocked that and that dam broke. And so then that flooded the rest of the city. Oh my gosh. And, uh, and so this was 15 inches of rain in an hour, created the flood. So how long from beginning to end before it was all over? I remember finally, you know, I went up to bed. I, they had it upstairs, and I remember walking upstairs, trying to block out people screaming for help. And I just thought, I'm going to go to bed because I was tired. And this must have been, I don't know, 11 o'clock, midnight. And in the bedroom, you know, we had lost all our power. So there was candles and I crawled into bed and the, I could see the branches scraping the windows and the candlelight flickering and I was terrified. So I just pulled the covers over my head and I finally fell asleep and I don't know how long it took me, but I was woken up when my parents came pounding on the door into the room and they had gotten separated so they couldn't get back and they let me know that our house was gone and I told them I know I saw it Um, and so we stayed there for a few moments I got up you know and we're all in shock and I remember them saying you know tonight is not the worst of it the worst is going to come tomorrow morning when we go out there and see what's happened. Well, at this time, we still didn't know where my sister was. So we're all sitting downstairs. And then by this time, the water had receded enough. They were able to come to me. And there was this pounding on the door. And so we're all a little shocked, but we go, it's the National Guard. And they told us, Pactola Dam is broke. We have to get out now and go to this church on this hill. Uh, and so we're like, by now we are just so stunned by everything. And, you know, my mom's in her nightgown. I'm barefoot. We all pile into the car. We take off. Then the neighbors remember they're driving. They, they remember their son, who's a teenager, is sleeping downstairs. So we go back and we get him because we're just in a panic now. And we're driving down the road to this church. The road is covered in silt and debris and there's steam coming up and I remember sitting in the back seat thinking this looks like one of those you know horror films where they're over in England and Jack the Ripper is coming out Uh, only it wasn't it was real life for us and it I can remember the smell oh the smell was horrible and so we we made it to the church and there was a lot of people there who were taking refuge Um, and I was just kind of wandering around. I went over to one of the rooms. They had a fireplace going, and I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, 
my sister came bounding in. Now this must be, we must be like three o'clock in the morning by now. And she and her friends had tried to come back into town and uh, the, they were stopped by police on the outside of the city and said they couldn't come. So they started trying to call and I'm not sure where they got the phone, but all the phone lines just kept acting like they were busy. So they thought everything was okay. They didn't know how bad it was. And then finally, um, you know, when they were able to go into the city, when the police allowed them to do that, they said, well, people from that area are being evacuated here. Maybe your family's there. She had no idea if we were alive or what happened because by now she's driving through and seeing it. And um, she showed up that night, you know, and we were just very, very blessed that the immediate members of our family were safe and we were back together. She, she must have been shocked to hear that the house yeah. was gone. Yeah. And you could tell she was in shock. I mean, she's 17 years old, never been on a camping trip before. You know, they all these girls out in the woods, you can just imagine. Uh, and uh, yeah, so... So the fact that they kept it together enough, you know, and I, I think that's really something when you look at everyone in this moment of crisis. And I do believe that we're given a gift that there is a deep spiritual connection inside all of us to whatever your belief is. But I believe it resides in us, this God power or whatever you want to call it. And I think it takes over in moments like that. And you can find your calm, and it helps you through this situation. And that's really what happened for us. At least it happened for me, and I really think it happened to my sister, too. Yeah, I agree with you. I know exactly what you're talking about, and uh, I think you're correct. I think in those moments, you just... You know, like it's it's almost an outer body, otherworldly type of experience. You just you just find yeah. um, find a way to make it through. And I think those are the times when people talk about God carrying you, like you don't know how you yeah. made it through, like you you just being carried. So describe for us what happened the next morning. So you wake up, and what did the world look like the next morning? It looked like a war zone. Um, nothing looked familiar. I couldn't, you know, there was woods behind our home that I used to play in. I couldn't even recognize that area. Our house was totally gone. There was some other house matched up against our big old um, cottonwood tree that was in our front yard. And the smell, I really remember the smell. And people were everywhere, you know, just like in shock. And I actually went into shock. Um, because I would see people and I was extremely happy. I wanted to go talk to them, you know, and my mother would grab me and she'd say, no, stay with us. You're in shock. Just stay here. And so I was really uplifted and happy, but I was in shock. I, it hadn't processed everything that had happened, you know, because I'd lost my pet. There was bodies laying around, uh, you know, our neighbors, many of our neighbors died. Over 50 of our neighbors died that evening. So people that I knew. And it just was so hard to accept, I guess. And then it was about three days later. And I was by myself. 
um, we were staying with our our neighbors. Fortunately, we had a place that we stayed temporarily. And her son let me wear his cowboy boots, so they were way too big for me. But I had shoes, and I walked over to where our house had been. And I remember standing there, and it, all the weight hit of what had happened, and I could just feel the sadness take over. And I hung my head and I cried and I really went into a depression at that point. So that's when the shock was course. over and, and you just, you just, you're processing it. Mm-hmm. Like you realize, Oh, I, I, you know, my clothes are gone. My animals are gone. And so what, what animals did you have? So when you guys went to the neighbor's house, not knowing how bad it was going to be initially, you had pets in your own home. Were they in the home? Were yes. they outside of the they home? Were they were in the home. I had a turtle that lived outside in my sandbox. Um, we did kill the power because we're like, oh, well, you know, if water gets up uh, towards, you know, the sidewalk or something, we don't want electricity going. And really, we had no idea. We thought, let's leave the pets. They'll be safer here in the house. Um, and, you know, that was a mistake. And it's a mistake a lot of people make. But at the time, we didn't know any better. And so they were inside when all this happened. And of course, you know, then my little 13, 12 year old mind goes to what it must have been like for them. And that was a hard thing to live with. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I would imagine. And so you had dogs, cats? Yes. We had uh, a dog, a cat, and then the turtle outside. I had some fish. I had a gerbil, you know, typical kid pets that you have um and i had some frogs that lived outside i'm wondering if the turtle could have made it <laughs> you I know the same i don't thing. know <laughs> <laughs> you know like I, okay it goes in its shell and boy like i rumble tumble on down the the Hang river but tight. yeah but i i'm imagining yeah, you know, I, and, I hold out well, hope the so, turtle made it <laughs> yes and i do too and you know it's like my neighbor's dog when it got swept away we saw, I saw him get swept away, but then like half an hour later, he was on the patio barking oh, wow. and we're all in shock because, you know, I thought I just watched him die. And what he did is he didn't fight the current. Okay. Here's a lesson for all of us. Mm-hmm. He didn't fight the current and he was lucky enough not to get hit with debris. So many people died because they got hit with, in the head with debris and knocked unconscious. But he just went with the water until he got to a place where the current wasn't so strong and he could touch the ground. And then he got off to the hillside. And so it's like, now there's a valuable lesson in that. An extremely Don't valuable lesson in that. Current. Don't fight the current. Yeah. And so Don't fight the current. One, one other question I, I had for you is you described the smell. For us, yeah. you know, what, 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 as close as you can, just try to explain to us what, what that was like, because I would just imagine water or earth or trees, but you 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 describe it in such a way or, or said it in such a way, it makes me think it was completely different. I, there was that, but there was also, you could smell the decay almost immediately of the body. Wow. And I mean, there's people, there's animals, there's sewage, uh things like that, trash, and you could just smell that. And even today, uh, 
it's been a while, but I have been triggered even years later by the smell. Just the smell can trigger those that flashback. And uh, so it, it's powerful. The scent, I think, is what has stayed with me the longest, that smell that night. Yeah, when you get an olfactory trigger, like it can take you immediately to a memory. It can take you to a moment. Yeah. It can take you to something. It's it's amazing how that can happen. And so in the pre-show, uh, you, you talked about this being really kind of the formative event that made you understand, recognize, and appreciate your love for animals. So describe to us kind of how that realization came about and, and what that looked like for you. Absolutely. So here I was, you know, it was my birthday. I turned 13. I was depressed. I really had, there was no future. Um, everything had been taken away. And I got this tiny, adorable, eight-week-old Siamese kitten for my birthday. Mm. And my world changed in that instant. And it's amazing you know, I don't think I realized it then, but now I look back and I go, that was the point when the connection, that soul connection was made. And I understood, or I, maybe not then, but that's what happened. Animals touched my soul and it was the soul connection that healed me. Wow. That's powerful. And, and it's just this tiny little kitten brought hope back into my life. I love that. And I love that so much. I mean, that, that right there, I think is a, is a, is a pivotal statement, you know, like animals can do that. Like for example, right now in 2020, you know, I've heard one of the, one of the statistics is that adoptions have been up. Animal adoptions have been up. And like right at the beginning, Jen, Jen remarked to me, what were you seeing all over Instagram? Oh, just everyone getting animals? Yeah, yeah. people people get yeah. animals like right and left. I mean, if they're going to stay well, home in quarantine. Uh, yeah, because every all the uh, places where you can get them, the what are they called? Shelters. Yeah, all the shelters were empty, which was actually really cool for the first time. Yeah. So I was, yeah yeah everyone was getting animals except for us. <laughs> <laughs> except for us. Yep. You know what? And that's okay because that's the responsible thing. If you're not in a position to take care of them. Um, you know, you travel, whatever it is, it's, it's the responsible thing to do is not bring them in if you're not in a position to care for them the way they needed to be cared for. And that doesn't mean that you don't love them or understand that connection or that you can't have a relationship with animals. Yeah. No, I, I agree completely. I think for us, yeah. I think we realize that um, we live a very transient lifestyle. We're here, we're there. And that's not fair to an animal uh, to be put in a you know shelter or whatever while we're gone for two or three weeks. We just we just didn't want to do that. And I think that, that you're right. I think that's the more responsible way to approach it. But I think once Jen and I are older, we got the kids out of the house, maybe we settle down and decide to stay somewhere. <laughs> I, I told her not too long ago, I said, I can't wait. You know, I will get a dog because I, my, as a, as a memory for me, I, I had a, a white poodle growing up. And I remember like one of my oldest memories is I was five and I remember going to, to get this poodle and I'm an only child. And so for me, like she was my, she was my best friend. Her name was Mitzi. Absolutely. And I had that dog from 
five years old until I was 18 when I made the decision. My mom didn't think I was going to be able to do it, but I made the decision. She, she wasn't seeing right. She was clearly ill. I just knew that it was, it was time. And my mom and I had talked about the fact that uh, we probably should put her down because she just didn't have any quality of life. And, and so my mom went off to work one day. I'm 18 years old. And I tell her, okay, I'm, I'm going to go do this. And uh, so I, I, I wrapped up Mitzi. I, I had prepared a bed for her. I took her to the vet. I held her in my arms. You know, the, the vet gave her the, the, the drugs and the shot. And uh, I held her when she, she passed away. I took her back home and uh, I, I, I buried her. And, and the reality of it is it's one of the hardest things that I've ever gone through up to that point. And it was a very, very difficult thing, all in love. But man, I, I love, I love that relationship. I love that dog and uh, yeah. I still miss her to, to this day, but you know, I've never been able to have a relationship with another animal like that one. And I think that that's what you're speaking to. Animals can, can bring light to your life. They can bring love to your life. They can, they can get you out of those deep, dark places that sometimes you go when you feel like nothing's going your way or everything's against you, you know, the love and light of an animal is just incredible. Yes, absolutely. And animals, you know, I think they are in touch a little bit more than we are with their true spirit because they are divine essence as well as we are. And they haven't forgotten that. You know, sometimes we mess them up because of the way we treat them, you know, and so there may be that that comes into play. But for the most part, animals live in the present with who they are. Um, you know, I love that cartoon. I don't know if you guys have seen it. And it shows a, a guy walking his dog and the guy, there's a thought bubble. And he's thinking about his job and his car and, you know, all these different things. And the dog has a picture of those two walking. Mm. You know, and it's just like they are in the moment connected to spirit. Mm -hmm. And man, if we could be that way all the time, I think life would be so, so fabulous for us. So you went through this traumatic Rapid City flood, and I think the statistic is 252 people or something like that passed away as a result of that flood. Yeah. And um, immediately after you know, you feel soothed, you feel, um, you know, the depression has left you because you've got this eight week old Siamese kitten. Mm-hmm. And so that's led you on a journey for the rest of your life, uh, dealing with animals. So tell us a little bit about what you do now relative to animals. So I like to tell people that I am a zoolingualist, kind of like Dr. Doolittle, but different because I don't speak to animals with words. I speak to animals through energy. And I started studying um, Reiki, which is a form of energy work, probably about 18 years ago. And I had, I was working in law enforcement. I had a very dear friend and she was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer. And the doctors said, you know what? You don't have much hope. Your only chance is if you go away for experimental treatment and she had two very young children and so we did a lot of talking Um, if she didn't make it I was going to raise her children but fortunately she's still alive today I'll just say that right now and uh, she went away for experimental treatment she came back 
sicker than a dog on the couch, throwing up. And she looked at me and said, you have to learn Reiki. And I thought she was just having effects from all the chemo because I didn't know what she was talking about. And as happens, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And that's what <laughs> happened for me. Um, so I was, so we're in South Dakota. It's wintertime. It's fall. I'm getting my snow tires put on in this little bitty tire shop. And there's a bunch of people in there doing the same thing. And there's a woman next to me. And we strike up a conversation. And I asked her what she does for a living. And she kind of hems and haws because we're in a conservative area now. And she said, well, I do energy work. And I'm like, do you mean like Reiki? And she goes, yeah, are you familiar with it? I said, kind of, but I just need to learn it. And she said, well, I can teach you. And that was the beginning of my work with energy. I didn't put it together as much with the animals that are being solely dedicated to the animals like I am today until about five years ago, I studied for many different teachers and I had heard of a woman who was kind of recognized as the expert in animal Reiki. She had created her own method on how to approach animals and I didn't follow her or anything, but I saw an ad on Facebook and it's the first thing I've ever seen from her on Facebook. And it said that she had gotten a grant. And she had positions open to become teachers of her. And in that moment, that peaceful feeling came over me. And I looked at that and I said, that is my scholarship. I love that. I that's a, that's what I call a God I whisper it. right there. That's a, that's a, yes. it's a, it's a, it's a little nudge. It's a God whisper. It's a God wink, whatever you want to call it, but something that yes, went, I love that God wink. Yes, it was right like, in your spirit. You yeah. connected with it and you went, Oh, this is what I'm going to do. It felt right. Everything about it felt yes. right. Yep. Everything. And I knew I was going to get it. And I did. <laughs> um, and so I went out to California and I spent three or four days out there studying and I had some pretty incredible experiences with the animals. We were at a sanctuary, um, you know, and learning from the animals more than her, definitely. We learned some techniques from her, but the real learning came from the animals. Des and, describe uh, some of those, you know, pretty incredible experiences. You know, give us one or two of them that you remember. So basically animal Reiki is meditating with animals. And there was, it was the last day we had been meditating with animals the whole time. And of course I'd been making connections, but this is what really struck me. It was the last day and we had to do this chanting. So I went out to an area where I had been really drawn to the whole time. It was, there was cows there, there was pigs. I was with the farm animals. I'm really drawn to them. And as I was chanting, all of a sudden I felt this tremendous grief and I got images of in my mind of buffalo of great apes um, of elephants all these animals that you know we really have treated horribly by the human and there was just such grief and pain for how they've been treated so I couldn't really focus and the animals could tell 
you know, they weren't really accepting the Reiki from me anymore because I was kind of a mess and I was trying not to cry. I was crying. And what we did at the end of each meditation, we would go back and sit in a group and talk about it. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to go back in that group and cry. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry, right? I'm telling myself this. And so I go and I sit in the circle and everybody's talking and she comes around to me and I just break out bawling. And I said, I don't know what happened. Here's what happened. And, you know, she just let me cry. Well, we had one meditation left to do. And I was still feeling very vulnerable and weak. So I thought, I'm not going back outside. I'm going to sit inside here with this little kitten. That's where I'm going to stay. And it was um, what we call the healing bridge. So we go into this meditation and we imagine that our heart opens up and we in this beautiful light bridge, this energetic compassion bridge out to an animal. And we invite them to step into our heart. So I begin the meditation and I'm doing that. And who shows up is a lion. And I think, oh my God, I am not ready for this. (laughs) And instead of him stepping on the bridge and coming to my heart, I heard, come with me now and it was serious there was no messing around i needed to come with him i I feel like jen i feel like jen's getting a picture of simba right now like she's getting (laughs) a a picture of simba calling her like she she would she would follow yeah and i did and the next thing i remember seeing it was all happening so quickly and it's all in my mind is that i'm in the sea of grass that's taller than me the lion is in front of me and his tail is switching all i can see is his rear end and his tail, and the grass. And I just keep walking, because he told me to follow. (laughs) And then the next thing I know, we're in a clearing. And it's this beautiful clearing in this pasture. And I start to get flashes of animals. And I mean, these are animals that I had as a child, animals that I have now, wild animals. And I felt this warmth and this joy come over me. And then it was gone. And so I knew something had happened, but it took me a while to figure out. And it wasn't until I got home and I was trying to explain this experience to someone. And uh, I said, you know, it was kind of like a hurricane. The bands of the hurricane, you know, come in, they hit land, they destroy everything. They're destructive. They're painful. And then the eye happens. And it's peaceful. And actually, pilots say it's beautiful when they fly into the eye of a hurricane. And I felt like all the suffering, I was feeling all the suffering the animals are feeling on this planet at the hands of humans. And when I got to the eye, it was peaceful and joyful. The animals are happy. And so I realized that if I am to help animals, I have to put myself in that eye because otherwise I'm going to drown in grief and of their grief, of my grief. And that requires me to work on myself and be dedicated to the animals. So it really changed my whole perspective on Reiki and how to offer it and who I'm offering it to. 
That's awesome. I love that. I think that that's really, really powerful. That's a very, uh, you, you do a great job at describing yeah. what you're seeing and what you felt. And, you know, it takes us right there with you. I guess my question would be, you know, relative to the pandemic in 2020 and the work that you've been doing for so many years with animals, what, what are some of the miracles that you've seen in people? What have you seen animals do for people? Because I think that this is the year that, you know, we all need some grace. We, we all need some hope. We all need uh, as many advantages on our side to deal with the uncertainty about the future as we can. And so what have you seen animals do for the benefit of others in, in the form of hope? Right. Absolutely. Um, I have seen lonely people who were lonely before the pandemic. Maybe they didn't know it, but they were, and they filled their lives with work and all these excessive things. Um, when they bring an animal in because of the pandemic, that loneliness is gone. And the need to try to fill that hole in your soul with all these external material things has gone away. And I have several friends who I have witnessed this and they're just blossoming. I'm just, I've watched them struggle. I have one friend who wanted a relationship so bad and every time she got in a relationship, she was doing something to just undermine it. And I knew it would happen. I mean, I kind of had her down like clockwork. And this time when she actually slowed down because of the pandemic and she had that pet in her life, she was able to let go of all of that, you know, to stop trying to fill the hole. And she actually looked that was causing her pain. And she found the courage to face that because of the pet. And she now has the relationship that she always thought she wanted and she didn't really have to work for it. That's awesome. So, yeah. You know, I see that kind of thing all the time and where animals can heal our soul. Whereas, you know, we're always trying to, we have that hole in our soul, I always say, and we're putting things in there, whether it's buying things or drugs or alcohol or relationships or working too much, whatever it is. But when we stop and turn to the animals, just their unconditional love can fill us up. And then that allows us to go out and live our life on purpose. Love that. Well yeah. said. That was really well said. I think I think there's something to, you know, coming alongside others. And I think there's something to caring for others, you know. And I think that that extends to, pe- to pets as well. When I think about, you know, lamenting your own situation, here we are 2020. It's a, it's a pandemic. It's uncertainty. We've got a lot of social unrest. We've got an election year. We've got markets and hurricanes oh, yeah. and fires and all kinds of stuff. Like this is the year of, yeah. of challenges. And I think yeah. that when you, when you, what Jen and I have noticed doing this podcast is that when we step alongside of someone else and try to address their concerns, their situation, try to come alongside for their benefit, we get filled with hope. And I think mm-hmm. that's what animals can do. Like you, you, you've got to care for them. You've got to feed them. You've got to love on them. And they'll, they'll come and regardless of your day, sit on your lap or give you attention or just, you know, it's, 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 it's a moment where you're not thinking about yourself. Yeah. You're not thinking about your problems. You're not thinking about anything other than 
that that creature, that animal, that soul, that essence. And I think that that's what is hope filling. I mean, I, I think that your story shares that, you know, for you, yeah. it through a very traumatic event, you immediately were able to feel more hope filled, mm-hmm. less depressed because of the of this eight week old kitten that yeah. you received. And I think that that, you know, that's a message that people should hear, you know, if they're in a situation yeah. where they're lonely or feel like that, you know, maybe an animal would be a good thing where they really feel that commitment, then I think that mm-hmm. there's a lot of positive benefits that can come from that from having a pet like oh. that. Absolutely. And, you know, they teach us how to handle challenges, too. So, like, you, you said this has been a challenging year, and it has. All I don't think anybody has escaped it. Mm. But when I work with animals, I see animals that have lost limbs, maybe their legs amputated, whatever. They don't go into a depression. They don't, like, oh, poor me. They just go. You, yeah. you know, they heal up, yeah. and they just continue. I... I just had um, a cat move into my desert tortoise burrow. Now, it had been on the street for a long time, and I went outside, and it cried for help. And I don't know how it ended up on the street. It had been on the street for a long time, but it was obviously loved at one time. It's now living in my bedroom, and it's not holding grudges that whatever happened to it, if it was thrown out or got lost, you know, I haven't been able to find the owners, but they don't hold grudges. You rescue a pet. Mm-hmm. They don't hold grudges coming out of the shelter that all people are bad. Um, they open their hearts and they love. And so animals can really teach us how to get through a challenge. Yes, it happens, but don't hang on to that. Look at what you have now. That's what they do. Right now, that little cat is got a bedroom. It's got food. It's happy. I go in, I spend time with it and life is good. It's not hanging on to the past. It's symbiotic. You give it hope. It gave you hope. Absolutely. That's the message. Thank you so much, Jamie. It's been fascinating having a conversation with you. I love your enthusiasm. I love the wisdom that you shared. Thank you for your story and your vulnerability and your description. You just were awesome with the way that you described your situation. And I, and I hope anybody that's listening, you know, if they don't have a pet already, or maybe they do, maybe they just need to recenter that relationship because I really feel like, you know, those types of close bonds, that that uh, unrestricted love, that mm-hmm. unconditional love that can come from animals. I think we all need some of that right, right now in the in the year of the pandemic. I yeah, we all do. And you know, they're here for us. It's it's kinda like they're God's gift to us is the way I look at it. And they were put on this planet to help us through because I think God knew it might get a little rough for us and there's gonna be bad days, <laughs> but there's animals to make it all go away. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jamie. You've been awesome. This was a wonderful show. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you for having me on. I loved it. Thank you. All right, Jen, what did you think about our interview with Jamie? I think I want a puppy. What? I want a puppy. We've talked about this. And a kitty. What? And a pet tiger. Jennifer. And a lion. Okay. And a bear. No. And a Sasquatch. No. You're missing the best one out of all of the animals out there. Mm-hmm. The a one- koala bear. No. What? Can I finish? What? Out of all the animals out there, the one animal I've always wanted to have that I would probably regret having mm-hmm. the first day. Yes. Out of all animals yes. ever. A monkey. 
I don't want a monkey. Why? I don't like monkeys. Why? Because. Because why? They're just all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I like about them. <laughs> they eat bananas. That's cool. Well, Gavin wouldn't like that. Brayden no. wouldn't like that because yeah. they're being eating boys that we have. But uh, no, I, th- I thought it was awesome. I mean, like quite honestly, uh-huh. literally, her storytelling of the flood. Oh, my gosh. I was riveted. It was like we were listening to a movie. Like, like yeah, like, like she sh- should write a book. Like yeah. it was an audio podcast exactly. and I'm sitting here hanging on every word. Like yes. this is, you know, and even, ah, yeah. you know, she described the scene, the smell. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I, yeah I'm sorry I asked that question. I knew the answer before you asked, but I, I wasn't, wasn't getting it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that that I was what was exactly coming through. exactly what she was going to say. Oh. Uh, I knew it. And, I should have known. Yeah. And so I didn't want to ask because I knew. Okay. But, but he, so here, all all in all, though, uh-huh. the message of animals yes. right now and animals coming alongside to engender mm-hmm. hope. I, I really feel like 2020 is that year that if you were going to get an animal, this would be the year to do so. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. For, for compassion, for empathy for the animals, for hope for you, for companionship, for, you know, just I think a lot of people anxiety. Uh, got that memo because, you know, like I said, the shelters are like empty. Yeah. So everyone's doing their part and rescuing animals and they're how about the how about the so Reiki, the Reiki though like the energy work mm-hmm. and like she, I felt like she was she was connected in another realm oh, with is. the animals she and is. like what she called it she called it zoo linguist yeah. lingualist she's a zoo, zoo linguist. lingualist yes isn't there a movie about that um it's about isn't there a Disney zoo. movie that they talk Zoolander. No, No, isn't there a guy that talks to animals? Yeah, Dr. Doolittle. That's who it is. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Doolittle. She's the female version. She's Dr. Doolittle. (laughs) Yeah. But no, I I loved loved the message, loved the show. She was awesome. Yes. And so if people want to hear more awesomeness from our podcast... We're on all the platforms. Mm-hmm. So any po- podcast platform that you listen to, just search Hope Radio Podcast, you'll right. find us. But if you want to connect with us more literally. On our socials, we're yes. on Hope Radio Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. So Hope Radio Podcast on both those. Mm-hmm. Send us a message. If you know of somebody that uh, has a story of hope to share, please let us know. If you yourself have a story of hope to share, we would love to hear from you. Send us a direct message and yes. uh, we'll see if we can't get you on the show and do an interview with you. Let's do it. And how about let's do another show? I'm ready. Like I want to, I was so excited about today's podcast. I I think it just makes me want to do it more. Okay. Let's do another. I am here for it.